I'm your inner dream monologue and you're fast asleep. So I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hey, Way is sponsored by All the Books. Have you listened to our All the Books podcast yet? On All the Books, Bookwright, Resonant Velocirator, Liberty Hardy, and several rotating co-hosts discuss the week's most exciting and intriguing new book releases from every genre. Stay up to date on the best new books with new episodes every Tuesday and get bonus recommendations for older books every Friday with all the backlist drop-in episodes. Never miss the buzz on the best new releases. Listen to all the books on Spotify or your podcatcher of choice. Welcome to HeyYA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, from news stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, HeyYA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. HeyYA is a book riot podcast hosted by me, Kelly Jensen, alongside Eric Smith. We are recording on Monday, June 3rd, 2019, and Eric is not here this week, so in his absence, I've got a super special guest host, and uh, I know he's pretty pretty jealous uh, of this uh, guest host. Please welcome award-winning, best-selling YA novelist, Sarah Dessen. Hi. Hi. Oh, I'm so <laughs> excited to have you on the show. And uh, when I was telling Eric about it, he's like, oh, no, that's the episode <laughs> I want to miss. So, um, sorry, Eric. <laughs> I'll catch him the next time. Tell yeah, him all. He's... We'll catch up in, in depth next time. For sure. And he'll he'll be so excited. He, um, he gets so, like... I don't want to say fangirly because I don't like that term a whole lot, but that's right. how he is. You know, he's just like, he's super uh, emotive and excited about everything. So well, I think when you're a book person, you can't really control it. Like I was yeah. at BookCon this weekend, you know, and I found myself just getting in these conversations with random strangers, like in the snack bar line about books. <laughs> and we're both like screaming at each other. We're so excited. And these are like people I'm never going to see again in my life. So it's hard to control when you're a book person. It is. And I think that that's, there's something really like refreshing. I think in the world we live in where everything is so, um, intense and high stress to have something that you can just like nerd out with. Yeah, totally. It's a comfort. It is. And you know, even if people aren't quote unquote big readers, like they've read something that interests them at some point. And you know, it's, it's a more interesting conversation than the weather for sure. Always. (laughs) (laughs) So let's, uh, let's, Hmm. I'm like, how do I start this? Um, let's talk about what we're currently reading. And then um, when you talk about what you're currently reading before you do that, will you talk a little bit about the book that you have coming out in? Well, it'll hit the week that the show comes out, but right. we're a week recording a week early. It's this whole like weird time dance. I know, but at, just for the record, the book comes out tomorrow as we're taping this. So yes. I am like, sticking to the ceiling. This is like when we writers just lose our minds. I have to Mm. leave for Texas tomorrow morning at 630 in the morning and I'm gone until late, late Saturday night. And it's the last week of school for my kid. And, you know, it's just a million things going on. But, um, but so the new book is called the rest of the story. Um, it's my 14th book. 
And it's a little different. I think people will find a lot of the stuff that they have loved, hopefully, um, mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff they've loved about the other books. But I think this one, first of all, it's a new setting. You know, I've always done, um, my books have either been in Colby, which is my beach town, or Lakeview, which is my college town. And this is a new setting, which is North Lake mm-hmm. um, and a lake, a lake community. Um, and so that's a little different. And also I've done so much with mothers and daughters. This is a book about a girl whose mother passed away of an opioid overdose when she was younger. And she's never really known her mother's family because, uh, it, the way that things ended, it was, and she was very young and her father was trying to protect her. But as the book begins, she finds herself having to go stay for the summer with her mother's family or for a few weeks at least. And, uh, and, and so it's, it's about suddenly discovering this whole other part of your life. Um, and I've done so much with mothers and daughters over the course of my books. And this is the first time I've had a mother that was deceased. Um, so I think it's more the daughter's story, which is another thing that sets it apart. It's not as much about working through. It's about, you know, the beginning of our story is always our parents and how these two people met and fell in love and had you, you know, that's the beginning of your story. But the rest of the story is what you do with yourself and your life. So I feel like this book is more about that than about the parental end of it. I am. Um, I'm my currently reading right now is the rest of the story. I'm like, oh. uh, <laughs> I'm like three quarters of the way through. I was hoping to finish before we recorded, but um, <laughs> it's a long book. I know it's tough. Well, it's not even so much that, but I think when you're a big reader, like I'm a big reader, I read a lot of books, but I'm also a fairly slow reader. Right. Um, So it's like, I can read a lot, but it takes me longer than I anticipate it will all the time. Um, and, and so I've gotten about three quarters of the way through and something that I'm really loving is that even though it is a new setting, you're still getting some of the like classic, uh, you know, Sarah Dessen references in there. Uh, <laughs> Lakeview shows up and then there's a band that shows up. Yeah. Spinnerbait. <laughs> yes. Well, Spinnerbait, you know, I, I, I'm going to just ride that train until the very end. I feel like it's been going on since whatever, when, it, when this lullaby came out in 2002. So we're like, like, you know, a lot of years now of hating spinnerbait. So we just got to mm-hmm. keep going. And now with the Netflix thing, if that happens, you know, and they make this lullaby into a movie, it'll become even bigger. So here's hoping on that end. <laughs> we, sh- we should mention, uh, you've, you've got some big news about three of Three of my books were optioned by Netflix. This was announced um, Friday. Uh, this lullaby, Once and for All and Along for the Ride. And I believe the plan is to do movies of each one, but have them be interconnected like the books are um, with some overlapping characters. So that is very exciting to me um, that, and also the great thing about it is this woman, Alyssa, who, who um, spearheaded this was a reader of mine. Like she had, she brought her beat up copy, you know, of someone like you to our meeting and said, will you sign this? You know, and oh, I love that. So I know. So my agent is like, Sarah, we just had to wait until your readers were old enough to, you know, green light projects. <laughs> <laughs> so we just had a long gap there since how to deal, you know, nothing was happening. We were just waiting for all these girls to grow up, you know, and they have now. So it's yeah. great. Yeah. I, I saw that news and I was so excited. Um, aside from the fact that your books will make great movies, um, and have, I think that the Netflix model is mm-hmm. such a good one for reaching like young people, yes. you know, like that's how they're watching their shows and that's how they're discovering new things. And you think about the success that, um, you know, to all the boys I loved before had yeah. that Dumplin' had, it's like, 
that audience is there and yeah. they're hungry and they're excited. And, you know, and then it gets them excited about the books too, if they haven't read the books before. Well, and that's the greatest thing as an author, you know, when How to Deal came out a million years ago, a lot of people said to me, you just need to look at this as like an hour and a half commercial for your book. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and when How to Deal still plays on stars, it says based on two books by Sarah Dessen, if you hit the info button, you know, mm-hmm. so it's pretty amazing, you know, the, the, that that, still is happening, but I'm really eager to see. I, right now, of course, my focus is the novel. I'm thrilled about the Netflix (laughs) stuff, but I, this book is my heart and I really went through a lot writing it. And, um, so I just want to, you know, focus on that, but the the movie stuff is always incredibly exciting. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm keeping all fingers and toes crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, the, the book feels, um, you know, it's got that classic, classic feel that like, any reader who has read any of your work knows like the voice, the tone, like they know what they're getting into. Um, and that's what they want. Like they, they love it. I always think of your books as sort of like the way to do world building in contemporary. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause we talk about world building a lot with right. uh, speculative fiction, but not so much with contemporary and there's a lot that goes into it. And I feel like gears are such a, um, great model of like what it looks like when you're world building in contemporary. Um, And I think I don't even, I never even thought of it like that. You know, I just am writing about people living in a small college town, which is where Mm -hmm. I live, you know, and Mm -hmm. I still live in my hometown. So it's never felt weird to me that, you know, of course I would be at the post office and see my seventh grade crush, you know, cause that mm-hmm. happens <laughs> and we studiously avoid looking at each other, you know, and act like we don't know each other at all. So, you know, but I, I think I've always said that I could not be a, you know, a, a do the kind of world building that, that people really good, you know, writers do. Like I was just on, I'm looking for her name. Cause again, my brain is, um, the woman who wrote Slay, Tiffany. Oh. No, not Tiffany. Brittany Morris. Brittany Morris. Okay. So she was sitting next to me at our panel this and the amount of world building that she had to do for that book, you know, to like do the whole game. And I always thought, that's why I don't write those kind of books. Cause I'm lazy. <laughs> you know, I'm a lazy writer. I write what I know that that's what I was taught, <laughs> you know? So, and I don't want to do a lot of research. So I think my laziness is really at the core of this all. <laughs> Two confessions. <laughs> I mean, we're here. We're honest. We're friends. We can yeah. speak freely. <laughs> um, well, it's it's interesting to read this one, and, and you had mentioned that it's different. And um, for me, I think the thing that kind of makes it different is it feels really, really personal. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe I'm slightly influenced. There's a um, a letter from you in the advanced copy mm-hmm. of the book uh, that talks about sort of your own experiences with. Um, traveling and dealing with anxiety and sort of like leaving a place that you're comfortable with and discovering, you know, the world like beyond this place. And it's hard not to, to really feel that with Emma's story, um, and sort of her struggling with anxiety, but also having this curiosity about this whole other, you know, life that that like she's part of but also not part of and the anxiety thing was I mean I'm talking to someone who wrote a whole anthology about <laughs> mental yeah. health so um, I feel like we can talk about this very mm-hmm. well um you know I was a little nervous about that because I didn't want the whole book to be about her anxiety you know I know there right. are many good books out there about people that are dealing with more crippling you know but I was very anxious until I went on medication, full disclosure, you know, mm-hmm. after I had my daughter all through high school, I did not travel. 
I did not travel, you know, even when my books were first coming out, I had a lot of opportunities to go to Europe and I didn't do it because I was afraid. You know, mm -hmm. I just, that was one of my fears was being an across an ocean from my family or being that far away from home. You know, it's like a weird... So when I went to Paris, which is what you're talking about in the letter mm -hmm. with my family, and I had my family with me, and I did have this like full-fledged panic attack in Paris, which I had not had in years. Um, but I, I, the, I realized the things that I were I was homesick for, you know, were these random North Carolina things. I always felt like I ended up in North Carolina because you know my dad moved here when I was three, and then I married a guy from here, and it, and I was afraid to leave. You know, when you're mm -hmm. anxious and you make a lot of decisions based on your anxiety. And I always thought, well, I'm just here because I'm a wimp and I never could go anywhere else. But then when I was traveling and I kept thinking about North Carolina and like the things I was homesick for, and I thought this is the place where I'm meant to be, mm -hmm. you know, like, so that, that was very bad. I, I, I know that, you know, the, the anxiety is not the center of the story and I don't want people to think I'm taking it lightly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's a, it's yeah. a careful yeah. line to walk, you know, you know, so yeah. I want people to know that I did not intend to like write a book about anxiety and then not address it, you know, but I think it's very common, especially in high school. And when you have like the vast world waiting for you after graduation to get a little cowed by it, you know? Yeah, for sure. And, and the way that Emma's anxiety shows up, I think is in ways that any reader, whether they have like real struggles with their anxiety or just are a person <laughs> with anxiety, because right, exactly. like, we, we all feel it in some way. Um, they're, they're very real. It's about, you know, just like leaving your, your comfort space about yeah. like not fitting in about, um, there's a big one about driving, which I yeah. think is, I think that's so real though. And I don't, you know, like I was not a person who was excited to get my license at 16. I waited, right. um, you know, and I, I had my license for forever before I even got a car. Like right. I didn't get a car until I had my first, you know, full-time job and I needed to like get there. Um, it's like, I think that that's much more common than I think the like general landscape of teen movies and books sort of lead you to believe. Right. I think so. And I think, you know, it's funny with the, with the driving thing. I, when I was at BookCon, somebody came through the line years ago, my British publisher published this story that was also in an anthology that Megan McCafferty edited. This was a zillion years ago. It was called 16. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. and, and so it was a book, it was a story called infinity about a girl who's afraid of rotaries. You live, are you, where are you? Are you in New England? No, I'm in the Midwest. I'm just outside Chicago. Okay. So in New England, you know, when we go to Cape Cod in the summer and they have these huge rotaries and I was terrified. So this whole story is about this girl who's like afraid of the rotary and her mom's afraid of the rotary. And you come up with all these back ways to avoid the rotary, you know, <laughs> but then eventually you just got to do it. You know, so I had written that story a million years ago. And then I think I revisited it with Emma. And I do think it's very interesting. We could not wait to get our licenses in 1986 or whatever <laughs> I got, you know, I'm yeah. dating myself hugely here, but I went the day I turned 16 and got my license. That's what everybody did. Now they make the graduated, you know, they're smart about it. They don't mm -hmm. give you your keys, you know, when you're 16. Right. But it is, a, and it's a control thing. It's a, you know, and I think that I know a lot of people that are very nervous about driving and, and I'm not bashing on people who don't drive either. Don't get mad at me. Right. Yeah. You know, I get it. Um, I happen to live in a place where if I didn't drive, I would never, I'd be agoraphobic. I couldn't leave the house because there's like yeah. no public transportation out here. So right. I don't have right. mm -hmm. But, um, the driving thing is actually striking more of a chord than I thought. I'm interested for the conversations that are going to come from that. Yeah, I am too. Cause I do think, um, 
you know, I think too, just as like young people have gotten smarter about, right. <laughs> I guess smarter and slash or more anxious about yeah. driving and what that entails. Um, I think that that's real. And I think too, like the new sort of restrictions and new, um, graduated licenses and stuff have also like re-emphasized like the safety aspects. And I yep. think that that can get scary, yep. you know, yeah, definitely. <laughs> It's like when I, when I got my license, you know, um, like I could take the test and everything with my driving instructor. Like I never went to the DMV except to like give them a piece of paper and get my picture taken. Um, yeah, it was, it was bizarre. And, um, I just had to take the test when I renewed my license this year. And I was like, there are so many things in here. I don't know. know, (laughs) When I was learning how to drive, I was 15. And we mm-hmm. had, I, you can edit this out later. We had this guy named Coach Young, who was like the PE coach, right? And he was the driving instructor. And he would yep. come to your house and pick you up. And then you'd pick up like a couple of other people. And you'd just drive around doing his errands, you know, like oh. you'd stop and get some coffee at the 7-Eleven. And, oh. and you're all thrown together. This is like a great YA book opportunity, you know, yeah. totally disparate backgrounds. Like me, I was like a total burnout, you know, and then there's like the most popular girl in school who wouldn't even look at me, you know, and then somebody else. And we're all stuck with Coach Young driving around to the 7-Eleven and the post office and everything. But that's how you learned, you know, mm-hmm. it was like. So, but it was a very different time. And, you know, nowadays, no, they shouldn't give you at 16 a brand new car keys, you know, like mm-hmm. that's silly. So I'm glad that it's graduated. But I think it does speak, like you said, to a bigger, we're just living in more anxious times, I feel yeah, like, you know? For sure. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's why books coming back, I know we were going to talk about books and, and, you know, the books that we're reading. But again, going back to that, like books have always helped me with my anxiety. When I was having panic attacks back in high school, I quickly realized that reading was one of the only things that my brain could not do something else while I was doing it, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's kind of like meditation for me. It's like, if I'm reading, it's the one time that my brain can't go off and worry about other stuff because I've got to focus on the page, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's, that's been how I've dealt with a lot of panic. And so I, I think I'm reading a lot now. And obviously my house is very organized because I'm very much like Emma Saylor and getting things like everything has to look perfect, even if mm-hmm. it's a mess underneath, you know? So, yeah. um, so that's how my anxiety is manifesting itself right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel that, I mean, it really do. Like that is one of my, you know, especially when it gets really, really bad, it's like, all right, everything's going to get cleaned. It'll right. feel like I'm in control of something, you know? Right. Yep. If and, I organize this drawer, my life is under control. Right. Yeah. And I do, I think anybody who deals with anxiety on any level, like that, that feeling of control is just what you're seeking, you know? Exactly. Should we, uh, should we talk books? Let's talk books. I mean, not that we weren't talking books. Not that we we weren't talking books, but I'm always excited to talk about other people's books. Um, Yes, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, I said, I'm reading your book right now. And then um, as soon as I finish that one, I'm going to dig into, um, I'm doing this short form podcast. I know everybody who's listening is like, I know I've heard about it. Um, <laughs> I have not. Um, it's like a short form podcast every other week in the summer when we don't have a full episode that digs into the work of Norma Klein. Uh, Ooh, since I've never wow. read her, yeah, I, I've only read one of her books before and I wanted to read more. Um, cause I know she was very progressive in her time. And I read, was she, okay. It was Norma Klein, mom, the Wolfman, and me. Yes. Was that, okay. Mm. Woo. I can't believe I just pulled that out of my brain. <laughs> I'm impressed with myself. Yes. Yeah. I read all of her books. That was, she was one of the only YA people like out there. I feel like. Mm-hmm. in the 80s, there was Norma Klein, there was Paula Danziger, 
Mm-hmm. Lois Lowry, you know, A Summer to Die is my favorite favorite Lois Lowry book, which I don't think people know. I mean, I think everybody talks about all the ones that have won all the awards, but that book like has stuck in my brain since I read it in high school. I don't think so, I read that one. <laughs> oh my God, Kelly, this book. I still think about specific scenes. It's been like 30 years since I read this book. It's amazing. But Speaking of why, um, what I'm reading right now is a book I know you know about is uh, Dear Martin, which mm. I am actually enjoying a lot because I realized that um, I feel like we're in this great part of YA right now where there are so many more voices, you know, mm-hmm. than there ever have been, especially for someone like me who came up when there was nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm enjoying that book just because I feel like it's the kind of book that I should be reading, like we all should be reading. Mm-hmm. And it's such a fast read. Like that is a book you can just zoom through, you know, yeah. so. I'm trying to read it slowly. And you were saying you're a slow reader. I am a fast reader, like to my detriment. So I read too quickly and then I miss things. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to slow down in my old age. Um, And the other book that I'm recommending to everybody now, and it's already popular, but it's so good, is um, Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's just come out in paperback and it's adult contemporary but I just love, love, love her work. Um, and I believe her first book is called Everything I Never Told You, which mm-hmm. also is a teen that, that they're the teen, there are teens in these books, but they're not the main characters, but they are in it. And I think she just, it's just the perfect novel to me. Like when I read it, I was like, if I ever write an adult book, I could only hope that it would be anywhere like this. Like this mm-hmm. is just incredible. So that's what I've been reading. And, oh, the third thing, okay, this is totally random, but I'm just sharing this story with you. Okay, so a million years ago when I was in high school and I was like having a nervous breakdown because I got dumped at the beginning of senior year and I was very lonely and sad, I started reading uh, Stephen King's It. Mm. Um, And this was when it first came out. So this was 1987. Mm -hmm. So I think it was new. And I was a big Stephen King fan. And my mom only wanted, my mom was always like, oh God, you'll come back to the classics. But she would buy (laughs) Stephen King and Jackie Collins because that's what I wanted to be reading. So she bought me it and I was incredibly sad and depressed and anxious. And I carried it around with me like for much of my senior year, like this big, like brick of a book. I don't know if you've seen how long yeah. this book oh, yeah. I, just bought, I just bought another copy of it so that I could reread it. Um, and it just kind of saved me. And I had written about this years ago on my blog, like somewhere I had written all about how it was like saved me. Some woman sent me an email randomly the other day. She's like, Sarah, I've been through blog forever and you always talked about it. So I went and bought it and I was planning to take six months to read it. I read it in three weeks. I dragged it everywhere with me, like a flower sack everywhere I went. It was like, and I loved it. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And I thought, oh my God, she's like, I know it's weird to write an author thanking them for a book they didn't (laughs) write. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm thrilled. And so I went and bought, I also bought it digitally because I cannot take this book on my book. I mean, Mm. seriously, Kelly, it weighs like 10 pounds. It's huge. I'm like, I can't be on the plane with this, but so I'm di- diving back into that. And I have to say, it is amazingly well done. I am yeah. only like a chap- a little bit in, but he pulls you. You know, you realize mm-hmm. if you've been reading stuff that's not that great. And then you start a book like that and you're like, whoa, you know, yeah. like, he's good. So that's my goal for the summer is to finish it by the time, you know, my daughter goes back to school. We'll see if I can do it. <laughs> I am. Um, it's funny you bring that one up. I read it uh, when the first half of the movie came out. Um mm-hmm. I read, I reread it that summer and I was so intimidated because it's so huge. You know, know. like I bought the new paperback version and it's like 1500, 1600 pages, you know, it's It's very long and it's tiny and it's teeny tiny font too. It's like they they had to do everything to make it as contained as possible. (laughs) And 
I, it was one of those things I was like, I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to make it through. But it's like, once I started, I just like blew through it. You know, the writing is so good. I mean, mm-hmm. I think he is on, I mean, he's, there's not possible to say Stephen King is underrated because all of us know he's <laughs> amazing. But I think because of the kind of books he writes, people just assume they're people that don't know and they've only seen the movies or whatever. They don't mm-hmm. realize like the level of his craft. Yeah. Like, and, and when I'm, I've been reading, you know, I taught for a long time. So I read, I read a lot of things of people just learning to write and he makes it look easy. Like mm-hmm. just bringing you into a scene, boom, you're there, you know, and it's tight. It's very tight writing. Um, I don't know. He's, he's, he's a master. Obviously everybody says that, but it's, it's really true. It is. And you know, it's, it's interesting too. Like, um, I, I think that his, craft and his ability to do what he does is part of why so many young readers love him. Like he, you know, and, um, I talked about this on a podcast recently about how, um, I was a big Stephen King reader when I was in high school, like Mm -hmm. I loved his work. And, and I, I think that that's fairly common Mm -hmm. in part because, um, of the writing, it's so good and so immersive. Um, and also I think he does young characters really, really well. And I love, I have to say, again, I hadn't looked at this book in years and it's dedicated to his three children and he puts the ages that they were, they were like 10, 12 and 14 or something, mm-hmm. you know, and the book is dedicated to them. And, but I have to say, I realized with it, uh, you know, thinking about it, that I was in such a bad headspace, you know, I was really sad and lonely and I'd been dumped and I spent most of my lunches alone crying in a library, Carol. Um, so it, I think a horror, there's something about a horror story that was actually comforting because I Mm -hmm. felt like I was in my own like horror story, (laughs) you know? So there was something about these kids fighting back against evil, you know, together that just sort of carried me through that really, really hard year. And that is the power of books, you know, that that we can look, I mean, I have to tell you about, again, I'm probably talking too much, but there was this amazing (laughs) moment when we were at the um, panel, I was on this amazing panel um, with uh, Tiffany. uh, um, I'm sorry. I'm looking. I want to find her. Everybody, so I can tell you because it was so great. Hold on. Okay. I was on a panel with Karen Parsons, Mm -hmm. Brittany Moore, Morgan Matson, and Sandhya Menon. Am I saying her name right, Sandhya? Yeah. Who wrote When Dimple Met Rishi. Mm -hmm. So in the Q&A, this girl stands up and she says to Sandhya, I, on page 77 of your book, I, you have a character who is both, and it's a specific kind of Indian and also an overweight. And she's like, and that was me. That is the page 77. I saw myself in this book. I I teared up and Sonia was like really emotional. She's like, it's the first time in my life I've ever seen anybody like me in a book. Thank you. And and we all on the panel were just like, like just losing our minds. Like it was such an amazing, amazing moment. And that's what I'm saying. It's like when you can see yourself, when you are lost in high school and scared and nobody seems to understand, but then you read something and you understand that there's someone else out there, even if you don't know them that gets it, that will carry you to graduation. You know, that will carry you until you are in that world and you can find those people. So that's what it did for me anyway. For sure. Let's, uh, I'm going to hit our first sponsor and then we'll okay. dive into it. I feel like we've, we've hit a lot of our first, first topic, but we'll keep I going. I know. I'm sorry. We're just blathering on. No, it's that. all good. That's <laughs> what should be. Um, our first sponsor is Where I End and You Begin by Preston Norton. Freaky Friday meets She's the Man in this hilarious contemporary YA about sworn enemies who suddenly find themselves deeply intertwined, packed with wit and heart, Preston Norton's second 
novel brilliantly explores relationships, gender identity, and nonconformity. It's a queer freaky Friday as Ezra and Winona are understandably horrified by swapping bodies, but as their curse shows no sign of letting up, Ezra finds himself questioning his own ideas of masculinity and gender identity. Norton delves into timely issues of exploring sexuality and gender fluidity in an utterly fresh and fascinating way. Features larger-than-life characters as Preston strikes again with a lovable cast of with a cast of lovable misfits sure to ensnare readers with their funny quirks, distinctive voices, and relatable insecurities. And that is Where I End and You Begin by Preston Norton. Freaky Friday is like old school too. (laughs) Oh my God. I Freaky Friday and Billions for Boris, which was like the book she wrote after, either before or after. I remember Billions for Boris and it was very, it was about her, this girl and her neighbor and they gamed some lottery. I don't know. It was, it was very, very good, but it didn't get the attention of Freaky Friday. I watched, um, we watched the remake of Freaky Friday. Like I saw the Jodie Foster Freaky Friday. That's Mm -hmm. how old I am. But my daughter and I watched the remake with uh, Lindsay Lohan and Jamie Lee Curtis, and she mm. loved it. And I was like, I love this movie. Like, that was like pure Lindsay when she was like in her prime, yeah. you know? Yep. It's such a good movie. So, you know, you can't go wrong with Freaky Friday. No, not at all. I love that. That That's the comp for this one. It makes me want to pick it up. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's a good one. Uh, let's, so, so... Our first topic is about um, you're on book 14 and you've been writing for a couple decades now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, let's talk about like what has sort of changed over the, you know, I oh guess my God. the growth Everything. of, yeah, the growth of YA, it's really, I think kind of hit like it's golden era. I mean, obviously it's been around for a little over 50 years, but you've really been at the part where it's just exploded. And, um, I mean that in a great way, not in a bad way. No, I've had a total front row seat. You know, Mm -hmm. my first book came out in 96. Um, and back then there wasn't even a young adult section in the bookstore. Mm -hmm. You know, there was my book, good night moon and strawberry shortcake, like all together. I'm not joking. (laughs) So, um, and now we have like a paranormal romance YA section. Like it's mm-hmm. so specific. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, it was a very small market when I started. And then, you know, there was no Harry Potter. There was no Hunger Games. There was no Twilight back then, mm-hmm. you know, and those three books really brought a lot of attention to YA. And I think my dad has this great expression, like a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like the attention that some of these big, big books have gotten is is often what has allowed a lot of these smaller books to get attention also, you know, like, I feel like, you know, these, these big ones like Twilight and everything, it proved to people that, you know, YA isn't just for teenagers. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do think that the greatest thing that I've been around to see is that there are so many more voices. Like, when I was all the women that were writing YA, I feel like when I was coming up were white women, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we had we had Paul, um, he just passed away. Who was the guy? Oh God, I'm just blanking on his name, but there was somebody else who had, there was a man that wrote a lot of YA when I was younger, but there weren't as many men. I don't think, um, I'm going to blank on this and all somebody is shouting it in their car right now. <laughs> he just passed away. He was really well known, not just a couple of years ago. Anyway. Um, but you know, the YA stuff, when I was coming up, there was like sweet dreams, romances, you know, some mm-hmm. Paula Danzig or Lois Lowry, but there wasn't much. And now there's so many voices. And I think that's the best thing that has happened. Yeah. I, um, 
so I, I think I've shared this on the podcast before. I was, um, I was 15 when uh, Speak came out mm-hmm. and I found it on library shelves. And I just like, I vividly remember being a teenager and finding this book um, in the like newly created teen section. It was like right. one shelf in the corner of the library. Yeah. And <laughs> I found that book there. And then I found um, Patricia McCormick's cut. Oh. Um, you know, it's like, they all started at like that era. And, and right, that's right. really like, you know, that was when you were getting your, your feet on the ground as well. And, um, I, I remember just like when I'd find these books at that age and be like, wow, I get it. You know, they get me, I get this. And, um, and then Twilight hit the Hunger Games hit. And it's like, it went from this tiny little shelf to, (laughs) you know, like, you've got multiple shelves, you've got like literal stacks of them, um, exactly. which is awesome. And, and I agree. I, you know, I, I feel like there's been so much, um, hate tossed at some of these big titles, but it's like, well, they did a lot of work and also really opened the doors to so many other voices to come in. Um, because they could, you know, they were these right. Right. financial safe bets. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's true. Again, it's like they allow maybe the a big book that does that well allows an editor to maybe have the funds to buy a book that maybe they wouldn't have been. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, so I do think it, it helps. And I think the other thing with YA is that, you know, we always have these new readers coming up. So yeah. it's like constantly refreshing, you know, itself, all these people coming up wanting to read. But I feel very fortunate that, I mean, my readers, I, it, for years, it was like, oh, I'm in high school. I love your books. And was like, I read your books in high school. Now it's like, I read your books in middle school. Now I have people coming through, you know, with babies and they're like, this is my baby Remy. I'm like, oh my God, you know, like somebody <laughs> just named their child after someone in my book. This is insane. Aww. So I know like that kind of stuff just brings, somebody just posted a picture of their dog, Remy Star. I was like, oh my God, Aww. what a beautiful dog. Thank you. You know, like, so, but I do think that there is a fascination with adolescent stories and you don't have to look any farther than like these, like book smart, you know, that did well this past weekend or whatever, you know, like these stories about mm-hmm. high school. But I think what happens is that I very rarely meet people who have no feelings about high school whatsoever. And yeah. so sometimes people who are in high school do not want to read about high school. Sometimes people who ha- hated high school don't want to read about high school. They need a few years in some safe distance, you mm-hmm. know, before they dive back in. But I think that's sort of what's happening with a lot of adults too, is like, you know, these books do, it's a touchstone. It's a time in our life that we all go through. And, you know, my friend, my best friend from high school always says, I don't trust anybody who liked high school, which I think is a little harsh, but um, I get where she's coming from. But I think, you know, it is, it is this thing. And again, like the success of Jenny's movie, that was Mm -hmm. not just teens watching that, you know, that was adults that were like, Oh, remember high school when I wasn't having to worry about bills. And, you know, then I was also, you know, like that kind of thing. So and, and, but that's why I also, and I know you've written a lot about this or you've talked about it on Twitter is like the belittling of teenage girls mm-hmm. and, you know, how they're made to look stupid or fangirl or whatever. But we know as people that work in this industry, what a powerful voice they are and what a powerful sure. force and watching these girls come up. I am so encouraged about the state of the world. Mm-hmm. Like these girls that are coming up, reading a lot of these books, you know, of the last, I mean, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I can't wait to see it myself. Yeah. And I think too, so I've seen some really interesting discussion about this and, and I thought it was worth bringing up here. Um, how has it been like 
three years now, I guess, since the own voices really sort of that hashtag and that philosophy uh, really sort of took off and has been awesome. Um, But there've always been white authors who are writing own voices stories. Um, It's just, there hasn't been as many, Um, you know, I, I like made a list. I have Walter Dean Myers. He was writing them for forever. Um, Right. And he was, he's been around a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jacqueline Woodson, she's been doing oh it for a long time. Yeah. Julianne Peters has been doing it a long time. Um, David Levison, Neil Schusterman, who I think mm-hmm. most people have sort of discovered in the last few years. Right. Um, he's been doing it for a long time too. Um, and then you have authors like Melinda Lowe. Ash just celebrated its 10th anniversary, which like when I think about it, I'm like, it's only been 10 years since we've really had this growth in queer right. YA. Uh, yeah. But like, this year in particular, we have so many incredible queer voices coming in. It's like, you you think you're like, 10 years is not that long, but also the teenage years are what, about five years long, right? 13 yeah. to 18. And you think like, man, the kids who are coming up now, like what they get to see versus even the kids just a few years before them. Like, that's incredible to think about. Oh, it. it's totally, again, it's like finding an ally on the page, you yeah. know, and I think that, I feel like we, like YA is leading the charge on this in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. Like we're, we're, we're affecting the kids, but there are a lot of adults that could use to read these books too, you know? And I think yeah. I, I have a, I, you know, I have been criticized and I think it's fair in some ways, you know, that I have not had a lot of diversity in my books and I have not had a lot of queer characters and stuff. And I, I am sort of, I was raised with this whole, write What you know, you know, like mm-hmm. I don't want to write someone else's story, but I do have a, you know, a, a, a queer character in here and it's a mm-hmm. small plot line, but it's important. And we were very, very careful with it, you know, mm-hmm. and we had a sensitivity reader involved and just to make sure that, cause I was like, if I'm going to do this, it's got to be done right. You yeah. know? And I, I want, but I had been hearing from readers for years, Sarah, when are you going to do this? You know, why won't you put someone that is like me? And I thought, you know what, you're right. So yeah. let's, let's work on that. And it's, but I want to do it right. And that's the tricky thing as, as an author right now, I think is making sure that, you know, you are in your lane, but you're also standing up and doing what's important. So I think finding that balance. And, and I think too, there's this, you know, awareness of it as a writer to know that. And also to be at this point where you're like, okay, well, this is not my lane, but I could talk about these incredible books that are by authors who know, you know, this is their life. And um, like, it's incredible that now there is an array of those books and they're getting the attention and the discussion so that you can pull from it and say, well, my books don't have this, but you know, pick up this, 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 and this, and like, you're going to find it and it's going to be great. You know, like, well, I remember like being on a panel with Nick Stone, like a couple of years ago and we were talking about the hate you give, which I think it had just come out or it was, Mm -hmm. I was on a panel. I think it was Nick that said this, but she's like, you can't just read the hate you give and consider yourself woke. Yeah. (laughs) And I thought that's, you know, I read the hate you give and I was like, wow, this book is incredible and everybody needs to read it. You know, Mm -hmm. like, especially us older, you know, white parents. And, you know, I mean, if you want to know what's going on with kids right now, you need to read that book. You know, so, Mm -hmm. and again, but it's, it's one of those that like, I think you had talked about sort of strong girls. And I think we go from the, um, you know, I'm thinking Hermione, you know, Mm -hmm. to Star Carter, like the jump between those, but it's very, 
you know, they're smart girls, they're speaking out, they're doing their research they're you know, that kind of thing. So I don't know. It's, I feel like that book has done so much and I just mm-hmm. want more people to read that book. Cause I feel like it opens up a conversation and to put yourself in that narrator's shoes, it's just well done. And I, I can't say enough good things about that book. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like that was one of the first big ones that came after the, we need diverse books push. Right. And I feel like that, that was a really great entry point for so mm-hmm. many, not just young people, young people knew this already. This is, right. you know, this is the life they're living. But I think for us, older. (laughs) I think so. And I don't want to be like, you know, I just think that if you're a parent or if you're even a person in the world that is following the news with all Mm -hmm. the things that have been happening with Sandra Bland and, you know, uh, you need to read this book, you know, like educate yourself, learn what people are feeling and how, because I know I watched the movie of the hate. I have a problem with crying on airplanes. I cry all the time on airplanes. (laughs) I don't know what it is. So I was flying to Y'all West. I was going to, I was hoping I was going to get to meet Angie for the first time. And I did. But I sobbed during that movie. I was like, oh my Mm -hmm. God, because I hadn't seen the movie yet because I really liked the book. And I was like, I want to wait till I can watch it all the way through. I'm a mom. I never get to watch anything all the way through. You know, I'm always interrupted 27 times. So on a plane was the perfect place. But I thought, wow, you know, like this really captures the moment. You know, this is the moment. And this is, we should be talking about this. So I'm just so grateful. And then Angie is so down to earth and just amazingly cool. So I can't think of a better person to be out there, you Mm -hmm. know, really. And she's so smart. So I'm just, I'm just in awe of her, to be honest. Yeah. And I, I mean, she's so young too. I just keep thinking like her career is at this place now. Like it's going to be incredible to see where she's at in five years and 10 years. And I know. And I was being at BookCon this weekend. I saw like a lot of authors who like for their first book, you know, have a banner or they have, you Mm -hmm. know, and I'm like, oh my God, this is my 14th book. And I have a banner, but it took me 14 books and 20 something years to get here. But I've always felt like for me, this has been exactly the way that it should have happened for me because I could not have handled a big Mm -hmm. early success like Angie has had. I think that I I was younger. I don't think mentally I was in a place where I could have continued to do the stuff that I've done. So I'm actually grateful for the slow climb. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's that's suited better to me mentally. (laughs) I put enough pressure on myself without (laughs) more, you know. It's been incredible too, to watch Angie, like, um, not to keep coming back to her, but no, you know, no. cause she's so open on social media too. Like when she needs a break and when she needs oh. to do this and when she needs to do that. And it's like, so not only is she writing this incredible literature that really speaks to young people, but she's also teaching them like how to deal with, you know, like yes. anything they're dealing I mean, with. And- y'all West, she was the keynote, she and Nick Stone. And she said, she made a point of saying, I have been having a lot of anxiety. I recently went on medication. I feel better than I've ever felt in my mm-hmm. life. I was really nervous about it, but I'm so glad I did it. And I thought, good on you. Yeah. You know, she said that on Twitter. She said it at Y'all West. There were, you know, 300, 400 kids there. It's like yeah. for someone like Angie Thomas to say, hey, I needed some medication and that is okay. Yeah. You know, then that is huge for kids yeah. or I needed therapy or I need self-care or like we need to be passing that message out because life is so intense. We didn't have social media when I was in high school. Oh my God, Kelly, I was in so much <laughs> trouble as it was. If anything had been documented like online, yeah. I'd be in jail. I'm not even joking. Like, so I, I'm not I, like, it's bad. I was not a good kid in high school. So I I'm so grateful, but I'm scared for the ones now. Yeah. I, I think that all the time, like, I think, especially in college, college was when I was a little bit all over the place. Um, and I think I'm so glad that we didn't have anything. Like we got Facebook at the very, very end of my college career. And it was just like, you know, you had to have your college email and this, that, and the other thing. 
So it's like the pressure is totally different because you're like, oh, it's just my friend seeing these stupid, dumb pictures. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Um, it's not the whole world. Exactly. And then, you know, now I'm like, I can't imagine. And and no wonder that like rates for anxiety have just like skyrocketed for young oh people because it's it's tough. Like it's tough to be a kid today. Not that oh it wasn't God. before, but I feel like there's so many more new things that make it even more challenging. Oh, I can't even imagine like even with the lockdowns and the school mm-hmm. shootings and things like that, like that's another thing we didn't have to deal with, you know, that yeah. these kids are dealing with and that is going to hang over them. Yeah. You know, they are carrying that with them. These lockdowns, my 10 year old curled up under a desk, you know, <sighs> that just makes me want to scream, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm, what is she carrying from this? You know, yeah. like they had a, they had a, a, a big lockdown, like a drill. And they tried to scare the kids by like banging on the windows and oh. stuff. And Sasha came home just like, what was that about? Like, why would someone want to come into our school? And I'm like, oh. well, you know, I mean, how do I even explain yeah. that? You know, I don't, I don't want her to feel unsafe. So anyway, this is like a therapy session. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Preschool listeners, they're like, shut up. I'm sorry. Or they're nodding along too. Like, yes, I get it. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But, you know, I think I have immense respect and awe of these teens today because I, I, I agree with you. I think it's so much harder than when I was in high school. So mm-hmm. much harder. I think so too. And um, it's just, it's amazing to me that, you know, they are not like just not functioning. You right. know, like I think about that. I'm like, man, the amount of, drive and energy and like so many of them want to be this force for good and change and that's just like that gives me hope you know (laughs) these parkland kids you know Mm -hmm. these parkland kids are like in school and going around the country and trying to change you know the laws and i'm like in high school i couldn't even like show up for homeroom on time you know and these (laughs) people are like i couldn't even like remember my gas money or lunch money i was a wreck you know like Mm -hmm. and these girls these people are like fighting the establishment. It's yeah. so impressive. So it is. I feel like we're in a really good time for, you know, teen voices just in general, real teen voices and fictional teen voices. Yeah. It's a great time to be just listening. And it's just, it's, it is incredible to think about how much the literature has changed mm-hmm. as, as just being a teenager. Like it's so cool to, to think about and, and to, to watch that and be like, yeah, like this is great to see, you know, like it really does reflect the reality of, of growing up today. It really does. And I, I mean, every bookstore I go to and they're just more and more of these cool stories, you know, and again, I did not go to the most diverse high school. I mean, it was slightly diverse, but we did not have a lot of, you know, people from other countries, you know, Mm -hmm. we mostly had you know, people from North Carolina and then maybe some people whose parents were professors who had moved here and, you know, but, um, but that's the, I mean, seeing like that girl page 77, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm never going to forget her because there's that moment that it's like the light bulb goes off and you're like, wow, that's me, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and, And that's the beginning of the love affair with books. I think that's how it really cements itself. It is. And the fact that like a young person knows the page number, know, you know, like, right? and that's I'm not going to forget that. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be with them forever. They're going to be like, that was the day, like I was seen by somebody yes. and like, I, you know, I I'm validated. Like I am yeah. who I am. And somebody saw that in me and, um, you know, page 77, like, right. <laughs> 
That's it. I'm going to hit our second sponsor and then okay. let's talk about, we, we kind of hit on a little bit about strong girls. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so our second sponsor is the Summer Reading Institute. This summer, Amazon Publishing is helping to kickstart your summer reading list with a $3 credit towards select Kindle books. Get ready for some sun, fun, and the discovery of your next favorite book. And here are a few of the ones that you could use your $3 credit on if you'd like to. Uh, Magic Bitter, Magic Sweet by Charlie M. Holmberg. From the best-selling author of the Paper Magician series comes a sweet tale of a baker with the ability to infuse her treats with emotions. When she's captured and her skills are used for the wrong reasons, will Mary be able to piece together who and what she really is before past mistakes yield cosmic consequences? The Infinite Pieces of Us by Rebecca Crane is from the author of The Odds of Loving Grover Cleveland, and it's a hilarious and heartbreaking novel about coming apart getting it together and moving on. Besides, it's just a two hour drive. What could happen? And then the other one you might be interested in using your credit on is Time Bound by Risa Walker. It's an Amazon breakthrough novel award winner in the young adult fiction category. Time Bound is the story of 16 year old Kate, who is given a strange blue medallion with a story about time travel. Skeptical Kate is thrown into an adventure thrown into an adventure who a murderer in, in the past destroys the foundation of the present day. Armed with a medallion, Kate must use her genetic ability to time travel to fix the future. But how much power is too much? And thank you to the Summer Reading Institute. The link for how to get your credit will be in the show notes. So let's, let's round out our talk today with talking about <laughs> Strong girls in YA, um, and I was just I I love hate this topic. Um, <laughs> you know, I I whenever I hear people talking about strong female characters, and it's 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 this very like one dimensional image of what a strong female character is, and like doesn't even mean a thing. And I I've always taken strong female character to mean that it's a well written female character. Period. Right. You know. Right. Um, whether they're wielding swords or whether they, you know, are spending the summer getting to know this family that they've never known before. Um, you know, it's, of course you have, you're physically strong and emotionally strong, but also like just strongly written characters means that they showcase their whole experience, you know, um, that like you really get to know who they are, like every part of them. And, um, yeah, I, I think too often this happens, especially with like romance flavored mm -hmm. YA. Like we don't tend to see those girls as strong girls because they're interested in, you know, a romantic partner, whatever gender. Right. And, and it's like, I don't think that's true at all. I think girls who are romantic can still have these incredible rich inner lives and be strong in so many capacities. And that romance is the thing that they want and like, they're going to get it. And, right. and that makes them strong too. Well, I think it's also like the kind of strength. I mean, I'm raising a daughter, so this is near and dear to my heart, mm -hmm. you know? And when, when you mentioned like, okay, strong. And I, my first thought was Katniss. I'm like, mm -hmm. well, okay. If we're talking yeah. like physical, like beat somebody down. Yes. yes. That's strength. But then if I'm thinking about like intellectual strength and I think Hermione, which is not mm -hmm. necessarily YA, but I think she is such a good example of, you know, brains and, you know, 
she's such a good friend. She's so loyal, but she's also like, she doesn't care about what other people think. And she's standing up for what's right, which is resonating with with me right now. Um, And then going again to Star Carter, which I think is, you know, another example of sort of standing up for what's right, finding your voice, which I think, you know, there's so many definitions of strength. And and I think in this day and age, to be able to stand up and, and stand up for yourself and stand up for what's right, that is real strength. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the kind of strength I want for my kid. So, um, but I think you're right. I think we, and ro- what I, I don't like calling myself a romance writer. I think, you know, there are lots of great people who write romance. I don't think my books are necessarily that, but, um, Mm -hmm. I'll take it. It's fine. But (laughs) I, I think that, you know, it's not limited by, you know, I think any kind of book you can put a strong character, which is just like you said, a character who, you know, believes in themselves and is working through things. And we all draw our strengths from different places, you know? And, and I think that as far as like with romance, people think that that's all it can be about. But I always say when I was in high school, my life was never about any one thing. You know, mm-hmm. it was my relationship with my mom. It was my relationship with my friends, with love interests, with job. You know, I yep. had a job yep. <laughs> and then like school and everything else. And then college and the rest, you know, there was always so much going on. And so I like to see that in contemporary. I think people do a good job with that, like sort of showing the full range. Um, of what it takes to be strong. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was thinking when I was putting together, I put together a little list of like strong female characters recently that I've read that I really like. Um, the first one that sort of came to mind was Amani Santiago from, uh, the most recent Elizabeth Acevedo book. Uh, okay. With the I haven't read that one. I've got the, the first one, Poet <laughs> X, I'm listening to on audio right now. It's great. Oh, I recommend it on audio. On audio, it is like especially awesome because she reads it and it's just yeah. like, woof. It's great to drive around to. You just feel like you're in another world. It's awesome. Uh-huh. Um, when you finish that one, read this one. I think she okay. narrates the audio of this one too. Okay. Um, but Amani is she is a teen mom and she has this kid and she lives with her grandma. And, um, she is at this point in her senior year where she doesn't really know what she wants to do after high school, which like my favorite stories are these stories of the, like being at the end of your, you know, youth and trying to figure out like, what do I want to do? And it's like, that's so much pressure when you're 18. Like, what do I want to do when I'm 50? Oh my God. Yeah. When you get to college, it's like, what's your major? What's your major? What are you going to yeah. do with your life? It's like, who knows at 18? Good God. <laughs> right. It's like, as you, as you get older, you're like, I still don't know what I want to do with my life. <laughs> I'm about to turn 49 this week. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, <laughs> I can. I'm just out here, you know, one foot in front of the other. <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly. Um, so Imani, like, in addition to like figuring out what she wants to do, it's like her life right now is so many things, you know, she's, she's got this kid she's raising. She's got her grandma that she's living with. And, um, so like her priorities are a little bit different and um when she has this opportunity to learn uh cooking from a master she's like well I don't think I can do it because I don't have the money and I don't have the time and you know I just I don't think it's in the cards well she makes it work and and gets to do this and really finds this passion for cooking um uh, that she's always had but this is an opportunity to sort of grow that and and really dive deep into it and it's a non-traditional like high school path you know it's not you know i i did great in math so now i'm going to go do you know actuary studies or whatever um 
this is very much like nothing in high school is like really screaming to me is what I want to do down the road. And then she finds this and, um, she's just such a cool character. And, and the living situation I think is really honest and reflective of like what reality looks like going on. Yes. I was about to say living with a grandmother and, you know, and especially the teen mom, I feel like we Mm -hmm. have not gotten, I don't know, you know, better than I do sort of the catalog of YA, but I don't, my impression is there aren't a lot of stories about there that. aren't no okay. yeah yeah and and certainly not from someone who like this is just her life like it's not the it's focus, not the of, focus the story. of the story yeah yeah that's it's amazing like, I love that I yeah. love that it's like yeah. she had a kid when she was in high school and like kept the kid and like right. that's just you know that's just what it is and it's like it's incredible to see that in a YA book because it is so many teens realities and you know it it doesn't have to be the thing that you know, changes their whole life. Certainly it changes it, but like, it doesn't mean that they can't live their own dreams either. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and we see that through Imani. So I love that one. That when I think strong girls, I think of that, like, yeah, that's, I, gonna, know, I have a new credit on audible and I, that is what I'm going to spend it on. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you, you, have, you totally book talk that to me, Kelly. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> did you have um, any that you wanted to, to highlight? I'm trying to think. Yes. Um, well, I mentioned Hermione and mm-hmm. Katniss and Star Carter. Um, you know, I, I like I said, I am sort of delving in right now. So um, those are the three that I came up with. But I think, you know, again, I, I don't think I read books that don't have strong. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, how could you? <laughs> I don't really want to read a book about somebody who's not strong, <laughs> you know, yeah. or I mean, who it's I think also there's that progression. Like sometimes you know, I feel like my books are always about a girl who is facing something, dealing with something and has to work through it to get Mm -hmm. to the other side. So it's not even like the character doesn't even have to start out as like, quote unquote, strong, but they're going on this journey and you're along with them and you see them change. And that is like how you gain strength. So you're showing, you know, that. And so, you know, I think that, uh, I, I feel like even in contemporary YA, even with like some of these, I, I, I was going to say Jenny Smith, I just read Field Notes on Love and mm-hmm. I feel like she does windfall. She does girls very, very well yeah. in a very sort of analytical, you know, Jen, I feel like the way she creates is just so meticulous and everything, but I really like her female characters also. And I'm blanking on some other ones because my <laughs> brain is so mushy, but, um, <laughs> there's no shortage, which is great. Yeah. You know? I mean, I think that's, that's the main thing. And, and my daughter, you know, is especially into the books that have girls kicking butt. So that's what we need. Yeah, for sure. And you know, another author who, um, she's been doing YA for a long, long time too, and has written these incredible, um, teen girls, uh, Deb Coletti. Yes. You know, she's been doing this for a long time too. And like slow and steady Deb Coletti, you know, and her books are just amazing and she just keeps going, you know, mm-hmm. she's incredible. And I do feel like she's kind of the unsung, you know, I, I crossed paths with her years ago at an event and she was amazing, yeah, you know, and yeah. we kind of just bonded over the fact that we'd never met, you know, but we write, <laughs> I think us contemporary sort of YA women, we tend to come towards each other a little bit because it's mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it was a smaller group, you know? Yeah. And I think often, you know, I, I, I was telling this story on tour that I went through a phase where people would come through my lines at signings and say, you know, what your book needs is a vampire. And I would say, <laughs> you know, I don't, I think if I had a vampire in my book, it would sound exactly like one of my characters, you know, it just wouldn't be <laughs> But I think that that's, that's the way people think, like you need to jump on the trends, but really Mm -hmm. you got to play to your strengths. I learned that 
my college writing seminar, you know, like, you know, your story, you know, what you're good at, write that, you know? So that's, that's sort of what I've been focusing on, but I think it's, I love where we are in YA. Again, there's a lot of dust fires, you know, people are going at each other and everything, but I do, I was saying to someone that I feel like all of us in YA have always been sort of made to feel like we're at the lunch table with all the people that nobody wants to sit with, you know, like, and maybe that's because I taught at a university with a lot of Southern literary professors, but I always have sort of felt like the uncool, you know, like Cameron Crowe from... So I think we are the uncool, all of us YA people. And that's why we kind of hang hang tight and we stick up for each other a lot, mm-hmm. you know, because of that, because we are used to having to, I mean, when I first started teaching at Carolina, I had colleagues say, oh, is your picture, is your book a, a pop-up book? And oh. I was like, no, it's a novel. So does it have pictures? No, it doesn't have pictures. It's a novel just like yours, oh, you know? Yeah. But I went through that and I had this very, very famous woman, um, and I will not say who it is, uh, she, but she was an award-winning contemporary author who came and she was introduced to me. This is what I was teaching. And they said, oh, Sarah writes young adult books. And she looked right at me and said, well, someone has to do it. Oh, and I was like, oh yeah. Yeah. I was like, that was a burn. <laughs> I just like felt my whole body. Like, and I thought, you're wrong. You know, like, mm-hmm. I mean, you are, these are the same people that are now coming to me, like people like this and saying, how can I break into YA? Yeah. I mean, I'm serious. I, I have had a lot of people that have disparaged my books and then been like, you know, I see there's a lot going on away. I think I'd like to do that. What mm-hmm. should I do? Who should I contact? And I'm like, you know what? You figure that out on your own, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, I think you and I both know that a lot of times when people CYA and they get excited about it and they want to do it, they think all they have to do is take a book that they've written or that they were going to write and plug a 15 year old into Mm -hmm. it. And we all know that that doesn't work. So, I mean, I'm not saying this just as a YA author, this isn't as easy as it looks, you know, and I think for a lot of contemporary authors that wanted to give it a go, just like YA authors want to write adult, you know, I think Mm -hmm. you're always wondering what your range can be, but I think a classic mistake a lot of contemporary authors make is they just make it a teenager, but don't change anything else, Mm -hmm. you know, change the age. And you and I both know that there's so much more to it than that. So, you know, I hope that, you know, I think more voices are good and I hope people, you know, really will just listen to the readers because they'll tell you what they want. You know, I mean, they'll they'll tell you what they like. They'll tell you what you're doing right. They'll tell you what you're doing wrong. You just Mm got to be open to listening to it. And to bring it back to like, it's readers who really drove things like we need diverse books. And yes, look at where we're at now, you know, and um, I think readers too are pushing authors to do better, to do more. And even if it's not in their own writing, it's in the books that they talk about in the books that they're reading. And and that has this like ripple effect in a pond, you know, and right. And I think so it all starts with that reader and and Mm -hmm. thinking about them and and listening to them. And, you know, when you're a writer, you don't cater to them, but you think about who you want your reader to be and to know who you want your reader to be, you have to know what readers want. Um, Exactly. And, and, you know, I didn't, I, I can't think, like, I was going to say, we were talking about Stephen King earlier. I just want to throw in another plug. This is a nonfiction book, but (laughs) his book, which is called on writing, which is a book about writing and is amazing. 
you know, and he, he has a great quote in there that says, you know, write with the door closed, edit with the door open. Mm. And so I don't show anybody anything that I'm working on, not even my agent, not even my husband. And that is just a reaction from my, you know, college seminars when I was trying to write a novel and getting, you know, annihilated every day mm. in class. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not going to show you what I'm working on as I'm working on it. Cause you're going to be so mean. I'm not going to be able to go yeah. any further. Um, but he, I feel like that. So when I'm writing, I'm really, I'm trying not even to think that much about the reader. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to get my story down. But then it's in the editing process that you have other voices come in and say, Hey, let's be responsible or blah, blah. But really in yeah. that moment, you just want to write your story, you know, mm-hmm. and then figure out. But I have to say another recommendation, if you are interested in books about writing, I don't think his book on writing gets as much attention as it should, because he's Stephen King and he's not, you know, Carson <laughs> yes. McCullers or whoever, you know, Jonathan Franzen, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. a really, really good book. So if you're a writer and you want a good book about writing on writing by Stephen King, very, very good. Let's end there. I feel like yeah, that's I think that's, I'm now that I've like plugged Stephen King more than my own book. I mean, <laughs> you think he's a, I'm his publicist. I swear to God, I'm not. <laughs> Well, uh, thank you all for tuning in this week. And a big, huge thank you to Sarah for hanging thank out you. and chatting YA. Um, if you've got any feedback about the show, you can leave it on Apple Podcasts. Let's us know how we're doing and helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible and for allowing us to do the ad reads a little later than normal because we just got to chatting, I know. <laughs> which is great. Um, no complaints at all. <laughs> You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks, who might love it if you tag him and tell him that he was missed this week. <laughs> and you can find Sarah's latest books book on shelves now. And you can follow her across social media platforms as at Sarah Dessen. And we will talk to you again in two weeks. Bye. Bye.